This is Mouth Media Network, the business of being heard. Hi, I'm Lahari Neil Peretti, founder of LN Accounting Advisor, and this is Then What? With another story of a big then what business moment which transformed into real success made possible by real leadership. One of the most difficult things to hear when you're launching a business is the word no. Even harder is hearing over and over again that your idea will never work and no one will ever buy it. So how do you keep pushing forward with an idea that you believe in, one for which you're all in, even leaving your full-time job behind? Oh, and during a pandemic to boot. Just ask Sam Madani, co-founder of Bamani, the first ever healthy, clean, cold brew, alcoholic beverage. Coming up, you'll hear what drove Sam and his partners to keep going and achieve their goal in the face of adversity. How you can and should work towards your purpose without sacrificing your social life or physical health. And what happened that transformed the company, offering the beautiful simplicity of alcohol-infused cold brew coffee through its own then what moment and into one partnering with a large manufacturer, securing capital funding and successfully getting into retailers across the nation. Sam, thank you so much again for being on the show. Bamani was something that caught my eye from like the first get go because of the thank way you. that the product is. It's like my two favorite things, <laughs> caffeine and alcohol, right? Uh, so I wanted to ask you, tell me about the moment when you, someone with an eye banking background, mm -hmm. came up with an idea for an alcohol infused cold brew coffee and decided that this was going to be the product that you would devote your professional life to? Yeah, 100%. First of all, I love that answer about like it being your two favorite things. <laughs> I'm totally in the same boat. I think a lot of people are. So it's kind of, it's kind of a really fun product to be able to work on. But yeah, our story really starts with me and my two co-founders, Kai and Amin. We're living in New York City. We're all California born and bred, but we actually met each other in New York City. Well, I met Kai and he beat it, but that's a different story. We were all friends in New York City. And we were working these like 70, 80 hour weeks in investment banking. Kai and I were both in investment banking, consumer products, M&A. And then Amin was working over at BlackRock. And we would work these long hours. We'd come home on a Friday night. We had a little espresso machine in the kitchen. We'd make espresso and then make a drink out of it. Literally while we're changing out of our suits and ties on a Friday night. And we said after weeks of doing that and seeing all of our friends and family either doing that exact same thing or something very similar, we said, okay, there has to be something better. There has to be a better option than going to get an energy drink, mixing that with vodka, filling your body with sugar and carbs and synthetic caffeine. And you know, to call it what it is, Lahari, you end up hungover for two days. If you go down yeah. that road. And the other option is to go get like an espresso martini or coffee cocktail or cold brew cocktail, which obviously tastes great but it's really inconvenient as a consumer for that to be your only option. We had a lot of friends who were bartenders who also said they didn't like making those drinks because they're so heavy lift. And on top of both of those things, you still haven't really solved the problem with sugar and carbs and dairy and creamer and all these things we didn't want to put in our bodies. So really the vision for Belmonte Cold Buzz was threefold. We said, let's make a healthier, tastier, more convenient alternative to alcohol plus caffeine. We said if we can do those three things really, really well, healthier, tastier, more convenient, it's going to be a product that we're proud to share with our friends and family. So that was kind of the vision. And then this was June of 2018. 
when Kai, Mina, and I sat down and really planned out what would become a Beaumont Cold Buzz. And then for the next couple of months, we went through formulation. We said, okay, when we got to the point that it tasted the way it did, and you know, I think we're really proud to say that Beaumont is a very balanced taste, intentionally very high quality, but not overpowering. We said, this is going to be something that, like I said, we're proud to share with the world. So we quit our full-time jobs in uh, January of 2019. We wow. embarked on this mission, immediately realized upon announcing Beaumont that we had more demand than we could fulfill with our existing manufacturer. Spent the rest of 2019 literally rebuilding a supply chain, growing to be you know, a supply chain that could support a, a massive company to create this infrastructure. We then launched two weeks before Shelter in Place this year. Excellent timing. I saw, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, which has been definitely an adventure to say the least, but couldn't be more thankful to say that, you know, among, amidst the pandemic, among all the challenges that come with this year, we have successfully launched into almost a thousand retailers. We raised our seed round of over three and a half million dollars. We won the World Beverage Award for Best Ready to Drink Beverage of uh, 2020, and we're continuing to grow rapidly month over month. So it's been quite yeah. no, that, that's that's amazing. Like the growth that happened for you guys, I think, is crazy to see, and especially during a pandemic. And I kind of want to go back to you know when you guys first started, yeah. right? Like I think you're you're young and all of your co-founders are also very young, right? And I think working in corporate life is different than starting your own company at that at that age because you don't know where to start. A lot of people don't, right? Yeah. So how did you guys even figure out like formulation? Like did you guys have a network before that you knew in the consumer um, goods industry to like help you guys through that or um, navigate your path? Yeah, so we didn't have really any network of any kind. In fact, uh, if we had known too much about the industry, ironically, I think it would have been a lot more intimidating to ever start because, yeah, in. it is incredibly yeah. difficult. You think of alcohol-infused cold brew coffee. You know, like you said at the very beginning, it's two of people, two of everybody's favorite uh, products in, in a can. So you think about why hasn't that been made before and you immediately realize that it's because it's so difficult to manufacture. So we didn't have a background, but in a weird way that helped us like mentally to, to get over, to say like, okay, it, it's possible because we didn't know enough for why it hadn't been made before. So what we did really the first thing was we each compiled a list of like the 20 most successful people that we knew. And we wrote down a list of 30 questions and we went to each of those 20 people and asked them the same 30 questions to everyone. Then we aggregated all of that and went and looked for patterns. And we're like, okay, everyone says X, Y, and Z when it comes to capital raising or when it comes to budgeting everyone looks at it this way. We're seeing these common patterns for really successful people. So that was, those are big lessons for us. A huge, huge factor for us is the fact that, you know, my mom who is, has been a successful entrepreneur, she came from nothing. She was, you know, an immigrant who was so poor. She put herself through college by working in a gas station. You know what I mean? Well, she was like learning English at 17. It's and, amazing. Um, yeah, no, it, it's, it's so incredible because she's become our advisor. She was our first investor. She's been incredibly helpful in the general realm of, of entrepreneurship. Um, and then our, the rest of our advisors have been incredible. Nick Galliardi, who is uh, one of our advisors, our partner, our corporate strategy director. It's a long-winded way of saying he is like our Dr. Dre. So he's been really helpful, too. He's been in this industry since before I was born. You know, he's worked on brands like Stella Artois, Dos Equis, Tecate. He ran like the eighth largest distributor in the U.S. So we definitely do have a very dynamic team. Definitely very thankful to have my mom's support from day one. And really just the, I think the, the, willingness to be scrappy was more important than the, than the network we had specific to CCG. <laughs> yeah, no, I've, I've actually been, um, researching your mom cause she's amazing. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, wow, like 
where she is right now and like how hardworking she was to get where she is and like is it's incredible seeing a woman um from an immigrant family kind of get there right so yeah thank you how has how has your mom kind of shaped your look on entrepreneur um ship and like owning your own business or starting your own business yeah i think there i mean i could write a book about this maybe i will when i'm when i'm much older maybe i will (laughs) write a book on all the stuff that she taught but i think Number one, always she is about people. Like when you look at the success that we've had in 2020, we always give that. I always give that back to our team and say like, you know, taking care of your people, knowing that your people have your support and you have to be supported by your people. It's it's one, it really is a family, especially when things are as horrific and uncertain and uncharted as 2020. The most important thing is waking up every day. We have a morning that we, a meeting that we kick off every morning where it's just like a vulnerable, open conversation say, hey guys, you know, I need help with X, Y, and Z today. And you're allowed to say things like that. You know what I mean? I'm, I messed up on this. I need help on this. Rather than sweep it under the rug like you typically would at a lot of big corporations where it's like a sin to mess up. For us, it's like, you know, creating that ecosystem of support. That's largely the teaching of my mom of always putting people first. Another thing she was, she kind of instilled in us from day zero was a healthy business, a successful business is not a business with a good plan. A healthy business or a successful business is a business that has the ability to adapt and pivot quickly. So this is before 2020, this yeah. is before like COVID <laughs> and everything. And she, she got instilled that yeah. in us. And from the jump, we're like, well, good thing that we were, we were ready to have a business that could adapt and pivot quickly because right out of the gate, we had to completely shift our strategy. So I think those two things immediately come to mind for me about putting people first and then building a business that can pivot. Going to that pivot, you know, of life, how it is right now with all this global pandemic, right? especially businesses that started or launched earlier this year, they were, I mean, it's hard. You don't know what to do, right? Like you're just coming into the market. It's not like you're already an established brand or anything like that. How was that challenge for you guys? And how did you guys overcome that? Yeah, I mean, that was crazy. It was hectic. I mean, we had our, built our entire strategy. So the, really the, re, the most popular times people enjoy Bomani are at brunches and at pregames. Restaurants closed and no one was going out. Mm. So we're like, okay, we're going to have to change this plan. You know, a lot of our rollout strategy was related to hotel groups, hospitality, you know, venues. We had a lot of partners in the restaurant space uh, and all of that was immediately thrown out the window. The product, and I'm saying this as unbiased as I can, Bomani tastes really good. Like it tastes good enough that when we have samplings, we sell a lot of product. So ripping samplings away from a young company like that, we were, we felt very much on an island. So um, what we did was we said, okay, what are we doing today? What is the most authentic way we can connect with our customers? Because you went on Instagram literally days into the pandemic and you're like, oh, here's a car company that says, we're all in this together, buy our car. I'm like, what kind of soulless person wrote this ad? What does this even mean? So for us, it was like, okay, what are people actually doing? We found out people are definitely drinking. You're sitting at home all day. So what can we do to make that more fun? So we really built our strategy around, okay, let's introduce cocktails. Let's give people something to do at home. Let's come up with, let's partner with some of our friends. Like one of our friends, Eric Wilson was, you know, he's a Barry's boot camp instructor and he is beloved, deservedly so. So we worked with him and did an at-home workout. And all these things, I was like, okay, we actually are in this together. We're literally doing the same thing together. So let's make it fun. And then continuing to adapt as we grew out of that. Also right from the jump, um, because, you know, so many of our friends who were bartenders were so helpful to us even before COVID, even though it was only a couple of weeks, we said the right thing to do because Bomani's 5.7% ABV we donated uh, 5.7% of our net proceeds to the Bartender's Emergency Assistance Program. So that was something we were really proud of. That's amazing. And thank you so much. 
Um, yeah, so we, we really focused on those couple of things, really educating people on how you can drink Bomani. Again, like alcohol-infused cold brew coffee is, is not necessarily a hard sell, especially because Bomani is only 110 calories, zero sugar, zero carbs, gluten-free, dairy-free, non-GMO, yeah. vegan, 100% ethically sourced Arabica bean coffee. The, the challenge is more making sure people know that it exists and then how they can enjoy it with their lives. The marketing strategies also changed, right, during the pandemic because people are a lot more on their phone and more inclined to buy something versus people seeing it at places and like, oh, let me try this. So how did you guys navigate through through that portion too? So like you said, no sampling, mm-hmm. right? And um, you're connecting in different ways with your customers. But what about customers that, you know, that are not necessarily going anywhere or are just on their phone? Like how did y'all change your strategy to be able to adapt to that? Yeah, for sure. I mean, we put up a... so. It's really rare in alcohol for how to be able to order online. And I'm not talking about like the Drizzles, yep. Instacarts, and Minibars. Those are awesome. The difference is that those just fulfill from an existing retailer. Whereas what I'm referring to is like an Amazon-style ordering platform where you can actually mm-hmm. go on the website and buy. So we went out of our way to build a website where you could buy alcohol online. It was an extremely large-scale project, but it was step one of us really saying, okay, how are customers buying alcohol today when they can't necessarily go into the stores, to your point? And at the time, we weren't in a lot of retailers. We had to actually prove our case to get into the, to the bigger retailers. Like, you know, today sitting here, we're in Whole Foods, Gelson's, Total Wine, Stater mm-hmm. Brothers, kind of all of those stores. But that didn't come without us really proving our case in just a couple liquor stores and just a couple consumers going to the website. So um, our strategy pivoted from being saying, okay, let's do all these big events to say, okay, let's really invest in our first thousand customers. We always said we want to sell a million Beaumonts to a thousand people before we sell a million Beaumonts to a million people. Because people are still going to do Zoom, Zoom conversations, Zoom happy hours, all of the above. And I literally have friends who will send me, you know, like Snapchats or Instagram, whatever photos of them saying, uh, here's me at, with my Beaumonts at my work happy hour. And next thing you know, you can literally see our website sales go up, like, like live time, which is so cool to understand that when yeah. you really do. Um, and when I say friends, I don't literally mean people that I was even friends with before Beaumonts. It's been people who have been invested in like this whole vision and the whole um, culture that we've started to started to make that are just, you know, helping us spread the word. <laughs> That's amazing. How did you guys make that leap of faith to quit an iBanking job that pays very well to like start from scratch, right? In a way with your business and put all of your hopes and visions into your company. How are all three of you guys able to make that decision? Yeah. Having one another was critically important. Having my mom was critically important. Having that like that support system and that ecosystem of support to understand that we're going to do this. We're going to figure out how to do this. The real um, final straw for me to say, okay, you know what? It's, it's time to move on. For me was tasting the final product and then confirming that we're going to have the investment coming in because we we're like, look, um, you know, this tastes great. The nutrition label is right. All of our friends are loving it. We had our friends literally come to our apartment and do a bunch of taste tests. And it was, <laughs> it was like, this is, this is going to work. So that was it for me. Um, with that said, to anybody listening, if you're looking to start a company, there is never going to be a perfect time. At some point, you got to yeah, effing do it. Right. <laughs> yeah, I know. People always think like, oh, you got to start your website first. You got to do this, get your logo. And I'm like, no, just just do at it. some point you have like, to, right? <laughs> yeah. You just got to jump in. Either if you're not jumping in and you're not taking the risk, then it's not like you, you don't have that fire as much. Cause you're like, at least I have that job, you know, that's there. So yeah, yeah but that's amazing. Um, that you guys were able to do that. And with three co-founders, how has the dynamic been working with 
I would say like friends, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, have there been disagreements? I would assume. And how do you guys like overcome that and come to an agreement? Yeah. So first of all, we're very big believers in taking care of your mental health the same way you take care of your physical health. Everyone goes to the gym and works out, but the fact that they're not taking care of themselves mentally just doesn't make any sense. But it's kind of like almost taboo to say it in, in the corporate world. So one thing we di- we've done pretty much since day one is every other month we meet with a business psychologist. He is by training a PhD in trauma therapy, so he or PhD in psychology That's and right. by practice a trauma therapist. Yeah, so he's he's incredible. We meet with him every other month, kind of get everything out. It definitely to your point disagreements. It's been like World War Three sometimes. You know what I'm saying? When we get if we get, but yeah. it gets it all out. All obviously. Ultimately, what we what we know is that it's always coming from a good place because we're always looking to further Bomani. We're always looking to invest in one another. And I think that I I know always that Kai and Amin and everybody else at Bomani wants me to be better and healthier as Sam so that Bomani can be better and healthier as a business. And um, I think having the vulnerability to have those types of conversations, you know, periodically makes us a stronger team, a much stronger team. Yeah, no, I think that's very, very important. And, you know, you brought up something that I I don't think a lot of businesses talk about, right? And as, which is like the mental health of yourself as a business owner and like with your co-founders or as a team, because it is a team regardless, even if it's not your co-founders and if it's your employees, like at the end of the day, it's one company, it's one team. So like, how did y'all even get that emotional intelligence in a way to be able to go and take that step of like going and seeing a business psychologist. Like it's not very well, it's not like some, it's something that every single business owner does, you know? Yeah, no, no, that's a really good point. And I'm, I'm glad we're talking about it. Cause like, I guess one thing that we noticed from the beginning is that we, it was really going to be us against the world. You know, I know it's corny to say, but the very first time we went to go interview places to go actually produce Bomani before we knew what an absolute nightmare it was to get this thing in a can, which is why, you know, we love our manufacturers, you know, and all of our co-packing partners. And um, before we knew that, we were like, we had this weird, I guess you'd call it like very startup-y vision where we're like, we're going to go meet with a local brewery in New York City and like they're going to take on this project and we're going to like do it together. And we got shut down harsh by every single person we met with over over this day. It was demoralizing, but it would have been 10 times more demoralizing if I were there by myself, rather than it was being me and Amin or me, Kai and Amin, all together visiting these uh, visiting these breweries and stuff. And when they would, they would belittle us, they would tell us this idea is dumb. They would tell us, well, why would you want, want to make it taste like alcohol? I'm like, because we want it to taste like cold brew. Like, that doesn't make any sense. Okay, well then don't take us on, I guess. So having that experience, to me at least, was like, okay, this is going to be you know, trauma, not to, yeah, challenging. We're going to experience these like really difficult, demoralizing situations. We need to have each other. We need to know that we have each other. And it was actually when we presented that kind of situation to my mom, she was the one who suggested like, hey, you know, I've used this business psychologist before. You should consider working with him. And it was just like that perfect, like, okay, here is our problem. And then my mom was like, you know, this this might work. And that was very much the history of it. Yeah. (laughs) We'd love to hear from you. Follow us on social media at Ellen Accounting and visit us or contact me directly at ellenaccountingcpa.com and subscribe to Then What Podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you find the best podcasts. Are you looking for financial advice or an outsourced CFO or maybe just help with your books or financials? Well, let's talk. 
As a listener of the podcast, I want to offer you a free consultation call with me. Go on our website at lnaccountingcpa.com and book a call with me today. Again, that's lnaccountingcpa.com. When you reach out, please make sure to mention this podcast. I look forward to hearing from you. So when you guys were going into these breweries and they were pretty much rejecting you, right? I mean, obviously, I know it was probably not a great feeling, but how did you guys get, like, what was your then what? Like, then what happened? And how did you guys get past that to where you are now? Okay, so then what was, we went to the breweries, we sat down, they told us the idea was dumb, they told us that we knew nothing about what we were doing, whatever else they wanted to say. We went out to dinner together, we had a couple drinks, and we're like, you know, forget these people, who cares about them? We're going to figure this out. And we're going to figure this out in a much more macro capacity. So we really put behind it to say, okay, who are, that's it. Let's find the best chemists in the world. Let's find the best manufacturers in the world. And let's go pitch to them. And lo and behold, it was an interest. It was, it was a, a lesson in overall life and in business about how the way that these big, super successful companies operate. They never stop innovating. You'd think that the, the way the breweries treated us is actually, before I knew the world of business, the way I do now, like, the way the breweries treated us, I would have expected from someone who is so successful, some company who is so successful, who they can afford to say, oh, shoot, like, like, you know, swatting a fly away. But it wasn't that situation at all. When we got in front of the most successful manufacturers in the world, and we were able to present our case, and we were able to say, this is why this is going to be successful. They were like, oh, this is a perfect candidate for our next innovation. And it's why they're so hungry to keep innovating over and over again. So no matter how successful, how big they are, they were willing to take us on. That's why we ultimately ended up earning a contract with one of the largest manufacturers in the world to produce Bomani, which is a huge win, obviously, because we could make the product, but we could also make the product at the quality we demanded at the scale that we knew we could get to. When you guys did your major manufacturer and now into all these retail stores, right, where people can find you like Whole Foods and things, how was that rollout? Because most people know that it's hard to get into retail, but they don't know how hard it is to get into retail. Um, and all the little complications that come in into it, right? So how did you guys make your step first step in? So when COVID first hit, what and this is a weird way that um, I'm thankful for the way that we were able to react to the pandemic. Um, because when the pandemic first hit, all not all, a vast majority of companies pulled away. And they said, well, we're going to play everything super safe. But all that meant was it was an opportunity for us to shine, an opportunity for us to rise and to rise to the occasion and say, okay, you know, liquor store in LA, what can we do to support you? Can we come put a rack of Bomani up? Can we come send our friends to your store specifically, post about, you know, these five, seven retailers in this area, let everyone know, like, this is the area you can come buy Bomani and really invest in our small retail partners. Then what we did was we built a case study with those small retail partners. And we took that case study to say, okay, what do the bigger retailers care about? The answer is they care about incrementality. How much more money are they making on your product? Um, they care about obviously the category and they care about the brand. And of course they care about the team. Um, but when you look at, okay, what was happening at liquor stores? They were putting us by the White Claws and the Trulies and they realized we weren't replacing the White Claw or Trulies sales, which is the best. When people always say like, oh, do you compete with White Claw and Trulies? Not at all. They're our best friends. They're different. They're our best friends. <laughs> yeah. I, I love White Claw and Trulies. Yeah. I, love, I love beers and tequilas and wines because none of them compete with Bomani. It's the difference is people are going to the store, consumers are going to the store and saying White Claw or Trulies. If they're saying White Claw or Truly and Bomani. So having that incrementality, you know, people saying, okay, I can literally, as a retailer, I can literally make more money 
by bringing this product in was something we had to prove in these small liquor stores. Then we were able to take that to Whole Foods. Then Whole Foods, you saw a lot of success. We were able to take all the Whole Foods data to the next retailers and, and kind of grow out from there. Um, and I think along with the incrementality, we were able to say the category is growing at 11,000%. We were featured on the uh, as the photo in the Bev Industry article that broke that news. And ultimately, the product, it tastes really good. It goes great you know, in the can, over ice, as part of a cocktail, or just the cream and sugar. So it's very versatile. You can adapt it to anything from like the brunches and the pregames, which are obviously more popular now, to like the list of like probably 100 cocktails that we have on our website. Why did you believe in this so much? Like what research did you have that made you so sure this would work out, even when people were saying, no, this is not going to work out. This is not a great idea. Totally. So it's, it was a, a really beautiful marriage between data and like your instinct. So from the data perspective, once we had the idea for alcohol infused cold brew, like I mentioned, we were just doing it with our friends and everyone was loving it. Um, and the data really supported it. We're using cold brew coffee and the same type of alcohol that goes in the hard seltzers. Those are the fastest two sub growing subcategories in all of beverage. You look at the brunch market. That's $11.1 billion in sales that does not have a brand associated with it. When you think of brunch, you might think of mimosas, but it's not in the same way that when you think of, uh, I'm going to get myself a car, I'm going to call myself an Uber, or send me a photo, Snapchat me. You know what I mean? Or I need a tissue, let me grab a Kleenex. There is none, no brand like that associated with brunch. And we're really starting to see that Bomani is becoming that brand because, again, it's so versatile. Someone like me who drinks it out of a can, even my co-founders, Kai likes Bomani over ice. My little sister would just throw like a shot of whiskey in hers. Again, that versatility that you can adapt um, adapt over to brunch. And then um, I would say the other, you know, most important parts of, of looking at the product and everything too, it's hard to decide because there are so many case uses. There's so much data. There's so much. Oh, I also forgot to mention the pregame market that we articulate with the, the you know, energy drink plus vodka markets, another 7.4 billion. So all of that data is supporting the instinct. And then ultimately I would say, one really cool experience that Kai and I had, we were invited to this entrepreneur's dinner in LA, okay? And it was from a friend. And that, the friend of ours is a successful real estate agent. He had um, invited all of his top clients. These are very successful entrepreneurs. And we hadn't even started our company yet. We were just, you know, an idea with a couple. We had literally like lab samples of Beaumont. <laughs> and um, the, we went around the table and everyone was telling their stories. Of course, Kai and I just happened to be last. So there's all these incredible stories. You know, there's People who have invented, the guy directly before us had invented a version of drywall that was based on hemp that could empower low-income communities, and it's, and it's cheaper, and it, it's stronger, and I was just, you know, everyone's like, oh my goodness, it's so impressive. Is it like a PhD in mechanical engineering or something? And I guess the Kai and me, we looked at each other, we're like, we're, uh, we're going to make alcohol-infused cold brew. And everyone's like, yeah! Like, it was just like the craziest. <laughs> it's this beautiful simplicity that I think makes it so easy to love what we're doing. And it, it's crazy how it's like never been invented, right? Yeah. Though, like this is you guys are the first to come to market, which is amazing. Thank you. Tell me about a time when your research or experience led you to a discovery that you needed to change what you were doing, and how did you move on from that moment? Like now I know this, then what? You know? Sure. So you're saying something that like something that hit us that we didn't expect, and then we said we have to completely change our yep. strategy. Okay. So one thing that immediately comes to mind is, is the manufacturing process is that once we figured out like, oh, alcohol infused cold brew coffee, like, you know, someone who has no background before Bomani in really any kind of chemical or beverage formulation, um, I would just think like, throw the two in a can, top the can, call it a day and let, let's move on. But it's not like that at all. It is uh, a nightmare to create Bomani. It's a whole separate nightmare to get it in a can. That was as soon as we started doing more research on, okay, why doesn't this product exist? 
really a major reason if you go into most stores, the cold brews have to be moved refrigerated because they have to be held cold, right? But alcohol, because you know it's ABV, does not have to be transported cold. So what's happened is that in the, in, in the alcohol industry, a lot of the distributors don't even have the ability to move product cold, which means you need to have a shelf-stable coffee product. Okay, well, if you go to the stores and see the shelf-stable coffee product, it's all the biggest brands in the country. The biggest, if you name a big coffee brand, they probably have the shelf-stable coffee and they probably are the only ones who have the shelf-stable coffee. So what we had to figure out was to say, okay, we have an alcohol product, but it's a coffee. So we need to make sure that it's uh, properly manufactured, properly canned, so that it can be shelf-stable. And that was a big uh, you know, realization that our research showed that we're like, okay, well, this can be a lot harder than we thought. <laughs> yeah, yeah. What's next? What's what's your then what? Like after this, now you guys are in, you guys got your funding, yeah. right? And I know we didn't touch on this, which I do want to talk about is how was that process of getting the funding and now, now what? Then what for Bamani? Yeah, so the process of getting the funding was we have such an incredible list of investors and advisors. I couldn't be more thankful to be able to say that they're a part of our team, a part of our family, really. Um, and I think the fundraising process was, you know, it's fundraising. It, you have to answer a lot of due diligence questions. You have to make sure that you're selling your idea and that you have like the right team in place. The people, especially in a startup, are betting much more on the team than they are in the product or even in the category, honestly, especially because yeah. our category is so young too. We're, we're starting basically the category. So um, I would say that it was, it was a massive vote of confidence, again, to have our first couple of investors come in. And then it was like, okay, you know what? Because this person invested, they have a network of three or four people who they think very highly of, who think very highly of them, who they thought would be a good fit into, the, into, the, into our uh, cap table. And what ultimately happened was that we planned our capital raise to be $3 million, And what we found was that in 2020, no one was really growing the way that we were. We ended up being oversubscribed, and we raised over $3.5 like like you mentioned. Um, but that was, again, being, you know, substantially oversubscribed. How did you get access to these people? Like what, what was the pitch to kind of get them on board? Good question. I mean, some of them were people who were just vaguely in our network. Oh, you know, you guys are starting a beverage company. My uncle's friend knows a guy who we went to college with who played basketball with this guy over there who knows, you know, his sister is in beverage. And you're like, okay, well, I will take a meeting. So we took a meeting and we made, and honestly, it started, it was a lot of people that we first went to for those expert interviews for the for that advice that we were learning from them, only to figure out, you know, when it's time to raise capital, to reach back out to them. A lot of the times we'd ask them for recommendations they would go to, and they're like, wait, me. And you're like, okay, let's have that conversation then. So I think that was step one. It was like figuring out who in our extended network, um, you know, some of our advisors, like I met one of our now advisors at my cousin's 39th birthday party. You know, like, so that can, that stuff can happen too. And we just met and he was very interested in Bomani. He's a really smart person. And then he ended up bringing a couple of his friends to, to join in the group. Um, and then ultimately, you know, from more and more distant connections, you end up meeting more people. And the largest investor in this round is, you know, they have a sales, I, I can't say the name of the company because they are publicly traded, but they uh, have a sales network that hits over 200,000 points of retail a year. So for them to come in was a huge vote of confidence. Thank you. Yes, it was, it was a huge vote of confidence to see that, okay, they're willing to uh, invest in Bomani both in dollars, but also with the manpower of, of their team. Yeah, no, that's amazing. So what's next with this, um, with the funding that you guys have gotten, now you guys have rolled out in um, Whole Foods and other retailers. What's next for Bomani? So we have a whole uh, lot of retail launches coming this spring. I can't announce them yet, but we have a whole lot. We're going to 
quadruple. We're going to over maybe quintuple our uh, retail footprint today, uh, just in just in like the spring. Thank you. In the next like in like Q late Q1, mostly Q2 of next year. So to support that growth, we are hiring. We're hiring three more people. Um, we're about to do all those job postings. So if anyone's listening who is interested in a you know field sales manager position, we will be hiring. Uh, we're launching a, a new geography that I also can't mention yet, but it's one that Bomani fits absolutely perfectly for. It's one of the largest brunch markets in the country, uh, not to mention one of the largest pregame and like club uh, markets in the country, which we're really excited about. And over, over and above all of that, we're looking to just grow with, with our customer base. Again, we have, you know, maybe last year we had 1,000 customers. This year we want to have 10,000 customers. But, again, we want to sell 10 million Bomani to our 10,000 customers. We want to invest in them, make it part of their lifestyle, make it something they're proud, make Bomani something they're proud to share with their friends, whether it's at your brunches, at your pregames, on the slopes when you're skiing, you know, another outdoor activity. I like to have a Bomani before I go surfing um, or after I go surfing, like during golf golf rounds, like, all of these things where really what's next for Bomani is furthering our brand with our existing consumer base and making it as easy for them to purchase as we continue opening more and more uh, retailers. Is there a message you want your customers to know that if you could tell them in person, you would? Yeah. I mean, I think for me, all of everything we've talked about is, is incredibly important in the business, but none of this exists without our, our, our customer base. I think when I think of Bomani, of course, I think of all the industry data and all of the, all of the team and our own team. But really, when I think of Bomani, what I think of is that win in a can. When you crack that can and you get that smell of like that chocolatey, caramely aroma, like that's a, a release. It's rewarding yourself. It's something you deserve. It's a half a cup of coffee's worth of caffeine and 5.7% ABV. Um, it's intentionally high quality, but not overpowering. And it's just that that beautiful simplicity of alcohol and caffeine that you can that you deserve to enjoy. That's amazing. How can, um, so I know they can find you in Whole Foods, but how else can they purchase a Bomani and um, how else can they get in touch? Yeah, so to, to grab a Bomani, just head to our website, drinkbomani.com. That's drink, B-O-M-A-N-I.com. Uh, you can head to the store locator. You can go grab Bomani at the store near you. You can also order online. Um, we're actually, I actually asked our um, engineering team to give me a discount code specific for today. So whoever's listening to this, Bomani NYE10 on our website, on our online store, will get you 10% off anything that you order. So Bomani NYE10. Um, if you guys want to order thank Bomani, you so of course, much. of course. Thank you. Yeah, thank you so much, Sam. It was a pleasure having you on and your story is inspirational. And I hope it inspires others to start, um, start their business or their venture. Thank you so much for having me. This was a whole lot of fun. It's clear that Sam's success so far has resulted from blending two ingredients. And I'm not just talking about coffee and alcohol. It's a combination of determination and self-care that has driven him, kept him whole, and helped him and his team stay healthy enough to survive and succeed through life-changing then-what moments and against the headwind of COVID. As we start a new year, I challenge you to ask yourself, is your own recipe balanced with the right ingredients? And how much do you truly believe in what you're offering with your company? And will you stay the course no matter what? I'm Lahari Nil Peretti. See you next week. Then What is produced by Ellen Accounting Advisor in partnership with Mouth Media Network. Copyright 2021. The views and opinions expressed are those of the individuals on this podcast and do not necessarily reflect the official policy or position of Ellen Accounting Advisor or Mouth Media Network.
No portion of this program should be considered financial advice or consultation. Thank you for listening.